Thank you for joining the Forward Church podcast. Here's an insightful word on Thriving in the Desert by Pastor Tristan Hartley. Come on, somebody give God praise in this house. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I had the privilege of, of speaking to our senior small group Tuesday morning and like I told them, y'all are stuck with the backup today. And, and likewise, this morning, you are stuck with the backup. But anyways, I am thankful for this opportunity. In fact, maybe Pastor knew exactly what you were doing because he's letting me preach this morning. And if I say anything out of line, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So peace out. Any complaints, go to Pastor Brandon at ForwardChurchOnline.com. Uh, any, any complaints, please send them there. No, in, in all seriousness, though, I am thankful uh, to be able to get up here this morning and preach a word. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Usually, usually, uh, Pastor Brandon, you might can amen me on this. Once Pastor asks us to, to fill the pulpit for him on a Sunday, we, we know pretty early on, you know, exactly what we're going to be speaking on. Maybe we have a, we've had a word for a while and we've just been sitting on it waiting. But I'll be honest, that was not my week last week. I, I really had to pray and it was, it was Wednesday evening whenever really who was here Wednesday night for first Wednesday come on can y'all just testify we had a move of God in this house Wednesday night Wednesday night really just sent some confirmation to me about what I was going to speak on this morning and so I'm thankful Uh, and we're going to jump right into scripture so I can ask you to stand with me for just one more time and uh, and then you can sit down relax just don't go to sleep on me for the rest of service and I'll be appreciative of that so we're going to go to Genesis Genesis chapter 26 verse 17 is where I'm starting and reading through verse 18 it says then Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and he dwelt there and Isaac dug again the wells in which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up. Lean over and tell somebody, stop them up. The Philistines had stopped up the wells that Abraham dug uh, after he had died. He called them by the names in which his father had called them. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a word that I just titled. I'm really not good with titles sometimes, but my title today is Thriving in a Desert. Has anybody ever in this room, you feel like you've went through a a dry, just desert season where things don't feel like they should feel, things are a little bit off, you feel a little bit isolated, a little bit pulled away? I want you to know that sometimes God can design for us to go through deserts, and it's not by His design for us to suffer in a desert, but it's it's His plan and His design for us to grow and to even thrive in that desert. So let's pray. Let's pray, and uh, I'm going to jump right in. Lord, we love you. God, I'm so grateful to feel your presence in this room. Lord, I I don't even know if I would want to get up here and do this, Lord, if I did not know without a shadow of a doubt that you are with me and you are in this room with us. So, God, I pray for each and every heart, over each and every person, over each and every family that is in this room, God. Lord, I don't know their circumstances, but what I do know is that you spoke a word into my spirit about somebody living in a desert. God, and I pray over hearts and families, God, who may be in a dry season, Lord, and I pray right now, Lord, that you would give them hope this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give them encouragement this morning, God, to leave here different than we came in, God. Lord, we ask that you'll bless this word, Lord, speak through me in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated this morning. 
I believe that the church, and I, I say the church, the big church, because I don't like to point fingers, especially not at point number one of a message, because then you may get upset at me early on. But I believe that the church has a chronic condition of being subject to our circumstances. And I even hinted on this a little bit the last time I spoke, that we are not very, sometimes we're not very good at overcoming a circumstance and still living based off the promises that God has said. But we show up and we wear our we, we, we wear emotions on our sleeve or we, we let things affect us all the way around. You know, uh, we'll let a bad 10 seconds affect the other million-something seconds that we have in a day. And a lot of times, spiritually, we do that. Spiritually, we may go through a short season, but it affects us for much longer than God ever intended. I believe that. I have good news, though, that if you are in a dry season, and I'm going to even say this, maybe your dry season or your desert isn't necessarily just something that maybe God has even called you into. Maybe sin or maybe um, uh, just time away from God has created a season in your life that you're in right now that you do not feel him like you used to feel him. You don't hear him like you used to hear him. You're not passionate for him like you once were. Thank God that I was born into sin, but I'm not born again into sin. I get to live a life of freedom with Christ all the day long. You are not defined by your surroundings. You were never meant to be subject to the circumstances around your life. In fact, the Bible says that we are in this world, but help me, Bible readers, not of this world, right? We may be in the world, and there may be crazy things going on around, but not in, right? Not in me, because I'm in this world, but not of this world. I was born into sin, but not born again into sin. I know pastor's about to get into hot topics, so I'm not going there today. And I can't. You're pastor. You get to do the hot topics. But I will tell you, when people say, well, I was born this way or I was born that way, you may, got, you may get me there. You may technically be right. I don't even really know. But I do know one thing. You cannot be born again into sin. You cannot be born again the way that you were originally born. I do know that. I do know that for sure. So, you know, I get up here and I say the church has a chronic condition of being subject to our surroundings. Let me give you an example. You know, I told you we're about to go to youth camp for two weeks. And the statistic shows is that once we go to youth camp, we're fired up for three weeks and we come back and it all, it all fades out. And I'm not just trying to pick on student ministry. I'm really not. But I use that as an example. But... I will say this, even beyond that, even beyond just student ministry, we may go through 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we may show up hungry, and we may, we may really be diving in for God, but why is it that we so easily let different things affect us and pull us away in different areas? Why can we not reside or live or, or just stay in that moment? Why is that? Why is that? Well, the Philistines, they stopped up the wells after some time. After Abraham, the leader, the visionary, after he had died, the wells got clogged. They got stopped up. And I believe this morning somebody's well, the flow between you and God, is going to get unclogged this morning. I believe wells are getting unclogged this morning. The wells are not going to be stopped up when you leave this house. And I don't know, again, I don't know what you're going through, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I want you to know this, that... Adults, we, we can be just as bad about it. We can, we can go through seasons of being on fire, and then all of a sudden we come back and, uh, and, and, and never, you know, we, we just fall away. We fade away. 
an example in the New Testament. Now, I'm not, I, you know, I'm throwing out Old Testament stuff. I like to have New Testament. Peter, who walked with Jesus. Peter, who was with him to the very end. Peter, the very person that we read about in the Bible whose shadow would, would heal people later on. That same Peter denies Jesus three times. He was in the presence of, the, of, the, of Jesus, of his Savior. He was in his presence. But when he got close to the flame of the world, right, they found Peter by a fire at night when he was trying to get comfort from things that were not Jesus. He, he was found near the flame of the world, and I believe his circumstance made it a lot easier for him to deny. The, the heat was on him, right? The heat was on him. He was afraid for his life. He was afraid. If I, if I claim to know this man, you know, I, I, I'm huddled up around other people, right? I feel like it was, it was pretty chilly that night. They had a fire. They're huddled up like penguins, and he's like, you know what, if... if, if I, I, I'm not going to say anything right now. They're going to turn me in. I'm scared for my life, right? And a lot of times our circumstances make it easier for us to compromise really what God is calling us into. Peter, even Peter had this issue. So this morning we are going to grow together and we're going to learn how we can thrive even in desolate places. So let's look at Isaac. I cannot really preach this message without giving you context to Genesis 26. That's why I kind of just... I told him, just put Genesis 26 on there all together because I'm going to have to go back a little bit and share with you. In Genesis 26, we read that this was a time of great famine. There was a famine in this land. Um, the famine, if the famine wasn't bad enough, if this was a desert, the Valley of Gerar, and you can Google images of it, even still to this day, very minimal uh, greenery. It's pretty desolate land. So that's where he is. And if it, it gets worse, too, not only was there a famine, not only was it a desert, but also it was occupied by Philistines. Any Bible readers know that Philistines aren't the good guys, right? Philistines aren't the good guys in the story. And so the circumstances and the situation was definitely uh, not in his favor at all. And y'all going to have to forgive me. I may actually drink water today. My throat is so dry. But my throat is the desert this morning that I'm trying to thrive in. Um, so we read this and there's a great famine in here, but in Genesis 26, we learn that God actually tells Isaac in verse three that he is to dwell in this land. And my mind, when I read the Bible, it becomes so concerned that why would God request that Isaac dwell in a land riddled with famine? There's, there's no hope for crops at all, right? It's a desert. He, he, he asked him to live in the desert in a famine surrounded by his enemies. Why in the world would God, my God is more than enough. He will supply all my needs, right? He, this, this ain't what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm not supposed to be in a desert. I, I, I need to be in the, in the palace eating good. Right, getting some good rain. I'm not supposed to be in the desert, and that's how we feel so many times. That, and, and thank God we don't go to a church and, and, and that pastor preaches just prosperity. That everything's gonna be, everything's gonna be great. It's gonna be sunshine and roses. Sometimes the believer will go through situations. Sometimes we'll go through trials. Sometimes we face temptations, and that's just the truth. That's just the fact of the matter. There, there's no way around that. Sometimes God will ask you to dwell. He'll ask you to stay. He'll ask you to stop. He'll ask you to occupy somewhere that may not be ideal for you. 
And that's okay. <laughs> I've got to get past that thinking that I know what's best for my life. We've got to get past thinking that, you know what, I get to say so. Or, job, God, that job looks a lot better for me. Or this circumstance for my family. If I moved there, I'd be a lot better off. But if God says to dwell somewhere, guess what? We better pump the brakes and park it. Better pump the brakes. Here's the, here's the thing. And, and honestly, I probably should have put up some, some of the scriptures to, uh, you know, in the beginning of this, of, this, uh, of this chapter in Genesis here. But you'll have to trust me if you've got your Bible, got your phone out, just follow along with me here. Um, God asked him to dwell there. God did not ask him to dwell there and then leave him out to dry. He did not say, hey, dwell here and we'll see you in three years. Peace out. That's not what God did. But instead, God says, dwell here. And then he begins to remind him of the promise that he spoke to Abraham. He begins to tell him, just like I promised your father, I will make the same promise to you that even your descendants will number the stars in the sky. And you will inherit this land. And I will be with you. And you will prosper. God begins to remind him and speak to him, I may call you into a season that looks like a desert. I may call you into a dust bowl in a desolate land. But just because I call you there doesn't mean you're there by yourself. I will still be with you, and I will still help you along the way. So that's, that's where he is. And, and, and he reminds him that the same promise that he gave Abraham, he will complete through Isaac. Right? Abraham is Isaac's dad. Right? We know that. Bible readers uh, uh, small group people, we all, we all good with that. In a low moment in Isaac's life, he got a word from God. And I believe that the, the fact is, if I hear and God tells me, I need you to go to the backside of a desert in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by your enemies, I probably wouldn't be jumping for joy, and I probably wouldn't be ecstatic and super happy about that. Probably wouldn't. I can imagine Isaac was not thrilled to be in the situation that he was in. But God reminds him of this promise, and God gives him a word in a low season and in a low time. And I want you to know that if you're in this room, and I'm really, I'm still in kind of the backstory intro of this message, and, and we're going to talk in depth a little bit more, but I just want to go ahead and say this off the top. If you feel like you are in a low season, you feel like right now you aren't at the top of the mountain, you come to church and you see other people who are coming up here and getting their blessing, you see other people who are reaching God, but you just do not feel it for yourself, God can give you a word. In fact, God prefers to speak a word to you in your lowest moment. God would prefer to speak to you right where you are. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to have to strive and feel like you have to be better in order to hear from him. He will speak to you, and he will give you a word right now this morning. I believe it. In Isaac's lowest moment, he got a word from God. So whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, we're going to talk about three key things that I believe we've got to do to thrive in a desert. And can anybody testify with me? Just help me really quick. If you've been there, if you are there, and you remember a time that you were in a desert, after a little bit of, there we go, after a little bit of context, are y'all with me? Y'all understand what the desert season is in your life? Y'all feel me? I've been there. I've been there, and, and, and this is one thing about me. You, you're probably looking up here like, how old even is this guy? Like, he's about, he's about to give me, he's about to give me some, some, you know, insight on thriving in a desert. Has he even been through anything? Like, I feel like he just graduated. No, 
I, I do. I, I will tell you this. This message is not just on my heart because um, I feel like it sounds good or it feel, I feel like that it would resonate with you. This message is on my heart because it dealt with me first. This message is on my heart because, honestly, I have had to find a way to thrive in a desert season in my life. And I'm not coming to you uh, just, just, you know, hey, I work at the church, so I'm supposed to be able to bring good word. I'm just here as Tristan Hartley. You don't even have to call me Pastor Tristan. I'm just here to tell you that I've been there and I've done that. I've got the T-shirt, and let me just try to help you. Let me just try to help you and tell you what helped me, and we'll see if we can get through some things together. So no matter what you're going through or what you're in, I believe experience is the best teacher. And I may be young, but I, and I'll get to my story in just a little bit, but my experience has helped me learn a lot, even on this subject alone. So let's do this. Let's talk about three things that it, it will take for us to get through and thrive in a desert season. Number one is you have to be willing to dwell there. God told Isaac to dwell. And I believe that a lot of times when we're going through a tough situation, our go-to response or what we feel like we need to immediately kind of kind of go into and say is, well, this is just a short season. I'm going to get through this. We're going to be all right. Like, I'm just, I'm just enduring. I'm going to keep my head down. And I'm going to do what it takes just for a short little time, and we'll be all right. And a lot of times that's how I am. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I do not have... My degree, I went to college for a little while, and I, I dropped out. I dropped out of college. But my whole time I was there, I was miserable. And I literally kept my head down, and every day drive, me and my friend drove together. I said, I'm keeping my head down. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not doing anything other than the bare minimum of what I have to do, and I'm getting out of here. And that was my mentality. And a lot of times when we're going through a tough season, we like to bury our heads in the sand. And we like to just try to, try to ignore what's going on around us and just get through as quickly and as easy as possible. So let's talk about why God asked Isaac to dwell here. Dwelling is living, right? It's not just passing through. It's not just being a nomad and just setting up a tent for a night or two and then, and then moving on. No, he asked him to stay in this situation, not, for, not, for, not even for a short time. He asked them just to dwell there with no time uh, promise on the end of it. So I, he wanted to make sure that the valley, I'm sure Isaac wanted the valley of Gerar to be a short temporary pass-through, and he wanted to get back to somewhere he had some food, right? But he wants you, I believe, to make this personal. If God has called you where you are right now, it's not his intention for you to just get through it and for you to be looking on to the next thing yet. He wants you to actually live there. He wants you to actually live and be where you're planted. If you're planted in a season right now that is less than ideal, let's just say for a job, for an example. If your job is not ideal right now, but you know that God has ordered your steps and gotten you to where you are, I believe that you should not always be miserable and looking for a way out, but how about just live and dwell where God has called you? That's step one of how to thrive in a desert. We've got to accept that this is where God has me. This is where God has me right now, and that's okay, right? Because if you've got a word from God and he tells you to go there, I'm good anyways. But it's so easy for the circumstance and the desert to look too big, and we want to get out of it. One of the most difficult times in my life, this is what I was saying, I would, I would kind of share a little bit. One of the most difficult times in my life, you know, I, I felt 
like I was called to preach at 17 years old, like I was going to be in ministry one day. And there was a time in my life two years ago where I was ready to hand this microphone to somebody else. I was ready to take a back seat. I was looking up other career options. I was in a job I was unhappy with. I began, you can ask Tara, I was Googling like different ways to get in with this company or in with that company or, or what are my options here. And I just kept telling her, I feel so stuck. I feel so just stranded right now. And I, I've got to find, I, I'm done with minutes. Let me just, I'm just going to hang it up, call it a day, all this stuff. I was in a very, very dry season of my life. And, and it, was, it was rough. It was really rough on me. Again, I wasn't hearing God like I used to. I felt like I had done something so wrong that, you know what, God has totally just abandoned me here. I don't hear from him anymore. I don't even, I can go to church and not feel him anymore. I can listen to songs that used to make me cry, and now it's just nothing. It's just, I, I, feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm totally lost. I feel like I'm totally gone. I feel like there's no more hope for me to do what God called me to do. I had forgotten the word that God spoke to me when I was a teenager. I had forgotten what God had called me into from a young age. I had, if I can get ahead of myself, way ahead of myself, I had let the well remain clogged in my life. I had let the well stay stopped up, and there wasn't a flow between me and God. I didn't feel him like I used to, and I, 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 I resulted to my situation, and I told Tara one day, I'm going to hang it up. I'm done trying. I don't, even, I don't even care to, to pursue ministry anymore whatsoever. I was miserable. She was worried about me. Were you worried about me? Yes, she was a little worried about me. And in the darkest time of my life, I was watching a church service. Praise God, right? I wasn't watching a football game. I was watching a church service. And the pastor said something uh, that really changed my life and changed my perspective in that season. And this quote for probably two to three months was the wallpaper of my phone because it, it's what I had to it's what I had to use to get through a difficult season. And the quote is this. Be fully committed to the season that you are in. Don't negate this season trying to get to the next one because it's coming. Your character plus, your, plus production will equal your promotion. Kind of reminds me, like Pastor said, your attitude will reflect your altitude. Your attitude in your current situation. So... I began to look at things differently. Instead of wanting to get out of this season in my life so bad, I began to be fully committed exactly where I was. I began to dwell in the season that God had me in. And I know now, looking back, right, retrospect is 2020, know exactly what it was then. God had ordered my steps to be at a, at a place where I could realign myself and refocus on him like I should. And what, it, what I did is I began to look at things differently. I became fully committed to exactly where I was. There were people around me that I did not even see that needed me in their lives. And I say that humbly. I, I'm, not trying, I'm not tooting my own horn. But they needed me in their life. And I began to invest into people. I began to talk to the people that I worked with. Again, I don't, I don't know if you know me super personally or not, but I was working a desk job where I sat down at a desk uh, all day, every day, like eight and a half hours a day. I sat behind the desk on a computer. I had two screens looking like right here at me, and I couldn't get up. I just answered phone calls. I helped people move their money around. It was, and Hey, if that's your thing, God bless you. But it was not my thing. I did not like being just stuck behind that desk all day. 
it was it was bad. But I began to invest into the people that I was around, and I began to fully commit to the season I was in. And I quit worrying about what was next. I didn't worry about the season that I wanted to be in. I knew that God had me exactly where he wanted me, so I just I dwelt there. And I don't really know how to, how to be any more practical than that, that even if you are in a less than ideal situation, I believe if you would just fully commit that I'm in this season for right now, there's nothing I can do. You know what you can do? You can try to force doors open. You can try to push things. You can try to manipulate situations to get out of it. But that's whenever situations become man-made. That's whenever, that's whenever God told Abraham to go inherit this beautiful, lush but I won't go with you. And Abraham said, no, I will not go unless you go with me. Right? I don't want to be somewhere that I twist an arm and, and bend somebody's ear and manipulate my way into a situation. I want to be where God has me. Even if it's a desert, I'd rather be where God called me. Even if it's a less than ideal situation, I'd rather be where God called me. I wish that we would just let go sometimes of our own lives and just really let God have control and let God lead and direct instead of trying to make things happen in your life. Do you know you would unlock peace and joy and happiness and even victory in your life if you would let go and let God have your situation? Man, I feel that because I was there. I was there. I felt like that I had immediate that I had messed up so bad that I did not deserve any any uh, uh, you know grace or any any promotion. I, did, I didn't feel like God should even use me anymore until I began to be fully committed in the season I was in. Until I really accepted I am where I am, and God has me here, and He's got my life. That's where I was. Dwell in the Old Testament is used hundreds of times. Hundreds of times, and it's translated nine different ways, the word dwell, the word dwell. But one thing that I found super, super interesting is in this situation, it can be translated also as to continually abide, to continually abide in. So that's what Isaac was called to do, to continually abide in a desert. Another scripture that has changed my life this dwell, this word dwell is very similarly used in is Psalms 91.1. How many people in the, in the congregation have had to use the 911 of the Bible a time or two? Right? That's what somebody told me. That's the 911 of the Bible. If you're in trouble, you need to go call 911, Psalms 91.1. And if you don't know it, it's he who dwells. He who continually abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who is committed to the season you're in will live and dwell under the protection of God. Isaac did not have to worry about the Philistines because he, had, uh, he was abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. He was obedient to God. He obeyed him. He didn't try to force his way out. He didn't run back to Egypt. He didn't run to a land that was, that was thriving. He stayed where he was because he knew God was with him. And I want you to know that this morning. Isaac was obedient. And I've got to, I've got to fly through here. My, I love the timer. I lo thank you. Y'all give our tech team a hand. I appreciate y'all so much. I pray right now that God begin to open up some doors for you in your current season. I, I feel that so strongly that right now where you are, God will begin to open up some doors for you 
to, to begin to thrive and to begin to dwell in your circumstance and in your situation. And it kind of carries me right on to point number two. Point one is to dwell where God has called you. Point two of how to thrive in a desert is to sow where God has called you. You've got to sow. In this scripture in Genesis 26, Isaac, he not only just dwells there. In fact, he dwells there for so long. The Bible says, and, and listen, I'm not going to repeat this. I see too many like younger teenagers in here to repeat this. But the Bible says that Abimelech, the king of the, of the Philistines at that time, uh, they even, he and his wife got a room, uh, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, got a room, and they were, they were real comfortable in their time in this desert. And, 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 and Abimelech basically kicks him out of the city and says, You're not, you can't come back to the city. No one can touch you. Y'all are dwelling here. This is your home. We're not going to mess with you anymore. So Isaac goes out to the va- This is where we pick up where we just read. He goes out to the valley of Gerar. So not only was he in this famine land that was a desert, he even goes to a valley in this land. And this is what happens. Isaac begins to sow seeds. He begins to plant. And it seems so contradictory. The land is already in a famine. It's in a desert. There's nothing going to grow. The wells are stopped up. There's no water. And he decides he's going to plant seed. And the Bible says that when he planted seeds, he reaped, in the first year, he reaped a 100-fold harvest in his first year. He reaped a harvest when there was no food in the land, when no one could w- was reaping anything. When the whales were stopped up, it was a desert, it was dry. He begins to reap a harvest. And the Bible goes on to say he became very prosperous. He became a very wealthy man. Can you imagine? He's the only one that is able to produce anything in this valley. He's the only one that's able to, to have any good results from planting. Why? Why is he the only one? Why, why can he grow and, and no one else can? Because he was fully committed to the season he was in. And it wasn't necessarily his hand planting the seeds, but it was a supernatural provision of God. Because God told him in verse 3 that I will go with you and I will take care of you and I will cause you to be prosperous. It was supernatural. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just... Uh, it wasn't just by happenstance. It wasn't just a good luck. He didn't just find a, a great patch of soil. No, it was a supernatural provision from God to protect his servant in the time that he was in. Sowing is more than just a cute catchphrase for pastors to use. It was a demand even of Jesus to his disciples. He gave the, he gave the parable of the sower, and the disciples come back, and they want to know more. They want to know more details about what exactly does this mean. And Jesus says the seed is the gospel, and the sower is anyone who proclaims it, and that the soil is people's response for it. I, I believe that for you to thrive in a desert, you You've got, to, you've got to sow into the ground that you're in, even if it does look desolate. Even if your co-workers are as far from Christ as anybody you've ever seen, sow the ground anyways. Plant the seeds anyways. Plant the seeds exactly where you are and watch the supernatural hand begin to work. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus, right? And, and no one can come unless the Spirit draws him. All we have to do is plant the seeds and trust the supernatural hand to do what he can only do, and that's draw people in. So wherever you are in the midst of a desert, in the midst of a dry season, begin to sow seeds. Do what you can do and watch, what, watch God do what only he can. This is another reason, another way we can thrive in a desert. Let me go on to point three because I, I want to. I've been waiting to get to point three all day. 
really quick, I'll back up. You can sow exactly where you are. The Bible says Isaac became very prosperous. His enemies even began to envy him. His enemies became angry with him because of how much he was prospering. How many of you know that when God's hand of favor is upon you, it makes the devil mad? It makes the enemy mad to see God's hand on your life. It makes the enemy mad to see you thriving in a desert. The enemy is afraid of a Christian who can go into a desolate land and still thrive like he's, on, like he's in, in an oasis. I believe that. Psalm says that you prepare a table for me even in the presence of my enemies. Wherever you are, no matter what, who you are around, he can begin to help you thrive right where you are. Even in the year 2023. Even, I can't say, even in Pride Month. Even in 2023, a Christian can thrive exactly where you are planted. Number three in my last point. Number three in my last point, and I've got to go, is dig. You, you've got to dwell where God's planted you. You've got to sow into the ground around you. And you've got to begin to dig. You've got to begin to dig. After Abraham died, the Philistines clogged up the wells that he had dug long ago. They were afraid to do it while he was still alive. But they waited for him to die. They thought now that he was dead, no one else would ever come along to possess these wells. Isaac was not intimidated by the desert or by the famine. But what Isaac did is he remembered the wells his father dug years ago. If I could just do a side point here that's not even in my notes. Pastor Brandon, you preached an incredible word Wednesday night about Elijah and Elisha. A lot of times, younger people, younger married families, we need to go back and ask some of these older saints in the room about some wells they dug years ago. We need to figure out how they made it through some seasons. We need to, we need to glean some wisdom from some people who came before us. And even if, they, even if you, the person you're talking to may not be exactly living in that well again, right now in this season, you can begin to dig their well. Total side point. Isaac was not intimidated by this. I believe there's at least, there's got to be at least 100 people in here that the enemy, principalities, powers of darkness, and time has begun to clog the wells of your life with dirt and debris. Sin will begin to block the flow between you and God. Sin will. Also, just time away from God, time that you are not fully committed to Him will begin to clog the flow and the well between you and God. It will make your heart grow hard. It will make you be a place that can no longer, you, can draw, you can't draw water out of. Redigging the wells may take time and it may take persistence and there may be more than one well that you have to dig. When Isaac redug the first well, the Bible says that the Philistines started contending him for the well. So upon completion of redigging this well, he didn't stop. The, it's the, it says the Philistines contended. It did not say Isaac stopped. It did not say it hindered his progress. But instead, when he got done, I kind of like this. I feel like he kind of had kind of had a little smart attitude about him. He named the well Essek, which means contending. He said, you tried to stop me. You tried to contend for this well. I'm going to name it contending because this is what you tried to do. I'm going to remind you that you tried to stop this. I believe you're in here right now and the enemy may be contending with your, with your mind, telling you this is not about me. 
This is not about me. This doesn't apply. Newsflash. If he's contending, it's working. Secondly, Isaac moves on to another well. He begins to, to dig this well, and the Philistines started quarreling with him. Isaac yet again stayed persistent and dug anyways. Because sometimes you got to be persistent. Sometimes you got to keep on going no matter what may come your way, no matter what circumstances throw at you. You've got to keep digging anyway. Kind of like Dory on Nemo. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Right? Come on. Sometimes we got to keep digging. Sometimes, sometimes I, I should have brought my Bible up here. Sometimes we got to get our Bible out and, and keep digging. Sometimes we got to keep digging. we got to keep working to try to hear from God. And so when he started digging this second well, he, the enemy uh, began to quarrel with him. So he named this well Sitna, which means hatred. The enemy hated that he dug this well. I'm telling you right now that the enemy hates whenever you begin to reconnect with God. The enemy hates when you begin to reestablish the flow between you and the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Lastly, he dug a third well. At this point, here's the good news. At this point, three wells in, the enemy didn't put up a fight. The enemy didn't even want anything to do with it. We said, you know what? We tried to stop him from redigging the first two. The third one, we ain't even going to try. We know he's not going to stop. We, we can't do anything about it. And so he digs the third well, and he calls this well a roomy place. The name is Rehoboth, and he calls it, it means a roomy place. So what does all that mean? What does all that stuff mean right there? I believe that there are wells in our life. Pastor said, what's the well? The well is that place that provides you that, that provides you your strength, your source. It's that place that you can hear from God. It's that place that God can speak to you, that you can be in communion with Him, right? Jesus met the woman at the well. It, it's a place where, where God comes and, and, and where we can begin to really step into the flow that He has for our life. And He began to dig and dig and dig. He gets to the third well, and it's a roomy place. He succeeded. He had begun to thrive in the desert. There was room for victory. He had victory in this season. They didn't contend any longer, and I want you to know there's still room for victory in your life. And no matter what season you're in, there is still a, a place of victory for you to step in and for you to walk in. Are you willing to dig for your family? Are you willing to dig to get back to God for your grandchildren? Are you willing to dig to reestablish the connection with God this morning. It's time for you to send the same signal to the enemy, to stand firm where you are and to keep digging. No matter where you may be in your life, if you would stand firm, you would be persistent and you would tell the enemy, you have no place here. You are under my feet and I'm going to dig and I'm going to dig and I'm going to dig until I receive what God has for me. It's time to begin to send that signal to the enemy all across this room. Even if God has called you into a place that looks like a dust bowl, stay there, stay planted, dwell, sow, and dig exactly where you are. Others may not be kind. It may not be ideal. It may be a rough situation for you. Moses, when he led the children out of, out of Egypt, the children of Israel, when he led them out of Egypt, he led them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And do you know that there was a generation of Israelites who died in the wilderness? Some who even didn't continue the journey because instead 
historians have actually found some of the Israelites decided to stay and dwell in the place and in the ash where the fire, the pillar of fire used to be. I began to read, and this is how I'm going to close. I'm done. Began to read the Grand Canyon. It's believed millions of years ago. People, you know, on the on the year stuff, people get whatever. Millions of years ago, people say that the, the Grand Canyon was established by a thriving river. And there is still a river there, but it's much less significant than it used to be. Now, it's the, the, Google, the book of Google said that six million people, people visit there every year. I believe that, and if, you, if you've ever been there, I have not. I've got some friends that have gone. They hated it. They don't want to go back. If you've ever been there, it's a very dry place. Arizona's hot. Anybody ever been there? Hot, dry, right? Pretty, pretty, pretty rough-looking, looking piece of land there. But the Grand Canyon's a monument. It's it's a national park where people go and visit, and and they they look and they marvel at what erosion and what the lack of of more water has done over millions of years. And if we're not careful. And if we don't begin to redig the wells, then what we'll do is we'll make a monument where, where the well used to be. And, and we, we will spend our entire lives talking about, hey, you remember that one time in youth camp where, where the Holy Spirit moved? Or do you remember that one time where we were just on fire? Do you remember when God, how God used to move? Do you remember what He used to do and how He used to speak? Man, I remember when God what, what was, what I was on fire in my life. And we'll build a monument on what our relationship used to be like with God. But I believe this morning you can begin to redig the well and reestablish the flow with, between you and the Father. And I believe that wherever you're planted, you can begin to thrive in a desert. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. I'm way over my, my time, but that's okay. The altar call is going to be this. Usually a lot of times I try to write it out, but I didn't really write it out until this morning when I was praying in this sanctuary. If you're in this room and you feel like you are in a desert season and you need a jolt, you need a reminder that God is with you, that God is with you and that you can prosper exactly where you are, I want to pray for you because I was there. I was there. I needed that reminder that I may be in a desert, but I can thrive exactly where I am, just like Isaac did. Also, though, I, this is what I felt very specifically. I've got it written with my, my pencil here on my iPad. If you're in this room, I believe that you can stand in the gap and begin to pray to redig the wells for your children or your grandchildren. I believe that you can begin to dig for them. Abraham dug the wells, not just for his generation, but for multiple generations after him. And the time may have clogged the wells. And you know what? You and your grandparents, you may have been on fire for God, and maybe it's not translated to your children or your grandchildren the way that you originally wanted it to be. The well is still there, but time and the enemy has begun to stop it up and has done whatever it takes to begin to block that connection and block that flow. Come on, the Bible, in, in the Bible, a lot of times water represents the Holy Spirit, right? 
I want to get in the river of God. I want to be in the flow of Him. I want my daughters, I want, I want my family to be in that flow. I don't want the wells to dry up on my behalf. I don't want to watch things die around me because I didn't do the do what it took to redig the wells, to, to supply for my family and do what it took to reach God on others' behalf. So I believe you can stand in the gap this morning for somebody in your family. So we're going to pray. And I believe you're going to begin to thrive exactly where God has planted you. Lord, I love you. Thanks again for joining us on the Forward Church Podcast. We hope today's message was a blessing to you. If you'd like more information, you can check us out on Facebook or at forwardchurchonline.com.